If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. To another episode of And Security for All. We have a great show today, lots to talk about. Welcome to all my listeners on Voice America and welcome to all my listeners and viewers on LinkedIn Live. If you're new to the show, you can find all our episodes on Voice America under the business sector under and security for all. Or you can find it on your favorite podcast, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and so on. We have tons of great um, past guests, lots of great things we've been talking about all year. I hope everyone's having an amazing week so far and ready for this long July 4th weekend. This is certainly the year to celebrate our freedom with our family and our loved ones. It's so nice to see our country getting back to somewhat normal. So today's show, we're going to discuss the roadmap of staying on top of your certifications for the InfoSec community. What cert should I get? How can I make my resume stand out? What cybersecurity jobs would I be good at? But before I bring my guest in, I wanted to share a little exciting personal story that happened to me this week, and it was actually my daughter, since we are going to be talking about education And we're going to talk about, is your job the right job for you? It leads me into my daughter's amazing opportunity she had this week. I don't often get personal, but I have to do my proud mother thing. She just graduated from the Indiana University in May. She was going to school for apparel merchandising. Certainly bad, bad timing in the past year and a half, getting your degree in that She was overseas in Italy, had to come back. She was supposed to have this awesome intern last summer. That didn't happen. So it wasn't looking very bright for her. So she's such a great student. I was feeling bad. As she was approaching graduation, she watched all her friends starting getting their job offers because their majors were different. And I kind of thought that, well, I can get her in my industry, the cybersecurity industry, because she did have a minor in marketing. But because the fashion industry looked like it was on a standstill. So good things happened this week. She had a, to make a very long story short, she had an opportunity to get in an interview with Michael Kors out of, uh, headquartered out of New York. They're owned by Capri Holdings, who also owns Jimmy Choo and Versace. And this week she got her offer letter and she's moving to New York City in August. So super, super excited. I'm very proud and that starts the beginning of her career. College is over. Now she's going to have to learn a lot. She'll need some strong mentors to follow. Hopefully she will have some strong mentors in her industry, as many of us do in the cybersecurity industry, which actually transitions me to today's guest. I have Naomi Bulkwater, who is certainly an industry role model. 
I want to tell you a little about her. Most of you watching on LinkedIn Live probably already know about her, but she is a CISSP, a CISM, and, and is the Director of Information Security and IT at Bean Technology. She has over 20 years experience in IT security and has held roles in software engineering, security architecture, security engineering, security leadership, a cybersecurity career advisor, mentor to people all around the world. Her passion is helping people, particularly women, get into cybersecurity. If you follow her on LinkedIn, you can see some of the recent people that she got into the industry. She's very involved with the Philly Tech Sisters, a Philadelphia-based nonprofit helping women of color prepare for a career in IT tech. She has two master's degrees, a bachelor's degree in engineering, and I guess with all the spare time she has, she plays volleyball and she is active with her two boys. She's a rock star woman in cyber who has a lot to say, and a lot of people follow her and take her comments and advice very seriously. So welcome to the show, Naomi. Hey, thank you, Kim. I am excited to be here. What a great intro, too. Yeah, thank you. I I had the opportunity of Eddie Doyle, who has been a great friend of mine. You were on his show, and I was listening to his show, and I had to follow, find you, follow you, and get you on the show. And then you have been talking a lot about certificates and um, it, it's, I'm really happy to have you here. You know, there's so many people I feel work so hard on education, certifications, training, and sometimes it leads them to nowhere. And I want to talk a little bit about that, but before I go into that, I just kind of gave a great bio of you, but can you tell us, I saw something on LinkedIn about one of your success stories of a young girl that you just, and you just uh, were shouting out on LinkedIn. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you're seeing and some of the positive stories with the young women in cyber? Oh, absolutely. I would love to brag about my cybersecurity intern. Her name is Jessica. She's not on LinkedIn, which is why I didn't tag her and why she doesn't brag about herself. She's not on any social media, which actually is kind of healthy if you think about it. So her name is Jessica. She is a current opera singer who wants to transition into tech. And I found her through a Facebook group. Um, We had an internship opening, posted it on the opera singing Facebook group, and she applied and got in. I think she was uh, one of four finalists. I actually had a veteran from the Air Force apply also, and he was a finalist. I had another opera singer who was a finalist. And then I had a cybersecurity student as uh, one of the finalists there, and she was one of the four. I picked her because she actually had the exact background that I wanted, which was not any technical experience. I did that on purpose because I know that anybody can learn technology and can learn cybersecurity and using kind of the skills that are hard to learn, which is really the people skills. We've got empathy, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, the ability to influence and persuade. A lot of those skills are much, much more difficult to learn and to teach. So I took somebody who I thought had a lot of the great people skills that sometimes we lack in cybersecurity. And I said to myself, I'm going to hire someone just like her and train her and mentor her and give her the technology background that I would love to see her build upon. So she actually came in as an intern, started helping us write our incident response playbooks for IT security. So things like what happens if your laptop gets stolen or ransomware, or you download a virus by accident, what would happen? So she wrote the incident response playbooks from 
and did all the steps that you would find in a regular incident response playbook. Uh, very well done. She actually ended up writing 10 within the first month and a half that she was here. So immediate ROI, uh, again, proving to me that anybody with the passion and the ability to learn cybersecurity can actually give you return on investment from day one. I know, crazy. Think about that. But I'm so proud of her. She just passed her Security Plus exam. She only took it one time, which is also another very impressive thing. So after studying for a couple of months, uh, lots of late nights, lots of practice exams, lots of watching Professor Messner videos, Messer videos, uh, shout out to him and his awesome guide on Security Plus. She ended up passing on her first try. She took it yesterday. And um, honestly, I didn't think she could do it. Like I, in my mind, I was like, this is going to be very, very hard. But she completely blew my expectations out of the water. And she's actually reset my expectations now that I know that this is possible. I literally took somebody who had zero technical experience. And I'm telling you, zero. Like she is comfortable with technology. She can open up a Google uh, and, and create a Google Doc and all those basic, basic things, write a very good email, communicate well. Those are the kind of skills that she brought to the table. And um, she learned the very basics of cybersecurity. So passing her security plus first try, and she scored an 801, which I think is very good too. Out of the 900, she scored an 801. Uh, congratulations to her. I know. And I think what drove her was the first week she was actually here at Beam, I made her the offer. I knew right away that this is somebody I wanted to train and mentor from the ground up. So I, I made her a deal. I said, if you can pass your security plus before the end of your internship, which is a 90-day internship, I will offer you a full-time job. So her entire thing was, if I want a job in security, I'm going to pass this security plus. So in her mind, it was just, this is my job right now is to pass the security plus. And she did it. She did it. I am so Well, impressed. that is awesome. And uh, just a shout out to a few of our uh, listeners out there. Matt Walker, he said, I love that opera singer to cybersecurity. That's cool, which is cool. I, I guess as she moves up in the ranks, I can invite her to my shows and she can entertain some people with her opera singer while she... Uh, teaches them what she's learning in the industry. And then somebody else is not showing me his name yet, he or her. I'll, I'll go back to that later. And it says, what are some of the characteristics of a good mentor in cybersecurity leadership? Which who, I, I, and that was going to ask you that, is there somebody that when you think back to when you got in the industry, did you have a role model and how did they help you? And what are some of those great characteristics that people need to be a role yeah, model? I actually have many mentors. I don't have just the one and I've had them all throughout my career, I would say the best ones are the ones who really don't push you to be like them. They realize that you're an individual and they're not trying to influence you in a certain way. They take your skills, your weaknesses, your strengths, and they they work with it. They say, here are some opportunities I see with you. Here's people that I can connect you with. Uh, some of the best mentors have the strongest networks. And for sure, they, they kind of just like give you direction and, and kind of that like, hey, here's some opportunities for you. Go ahead and do it yourself. They don't give you all the answers. I like that. Those are the kind of the best mentors that I've ever had. Well, Benedict Whitaker said, amazing inspiration. What's the best skill for those wanting to get into cybersecurity and the trick to finding a good mentor? Great question, Benedict. The 
trick to finding a mentor really is just to re- go out and ask. Um, it's, usually it's better if you know the person or you have a connection to that person. So go through your workplace, ask your manager, your boss, and just say, hey, do you have anybody in your network that you can connect me with? Because I'm interested in doing such and such in my career. Um, and I do recommend you don't have your manager as your mentor. There's a conflict of interest there. It can get messy. It doesn't work out always. So try to find someone who is not in your immediate hierarchy within your organization, but try to network outside of that. So ask your manager, whoever he or she is, and just say, hey, do you have anyone in your network that I can talk to about such and such? I would love to spend 30 minutes on Zoom and just pick their brain about how they got there into that position that they're in, talk about their career path, and just kind of get ideas on how maybe you can do the same thing. And the more people you talk to, the more ideas you can get for yourself. So you shouldn't just stop with the one person. You have multiple conversations. You talk to anybody and everybody and be okay with them saying no. So even though you might reach out to somebody and say you reach out to 100 people, 90% of them say no or they just don't get back to you, don't give up. Just keep going. The whole part of networking is that resiliency and just trying to get more or, uh, comfortable with taking notes for an answer. And that's totally fine. You want to find people who want to spend time on you anyway, and you don't want to just force yourself onto them. Another really good thing to remember though, is you don't want somebody who is forcing themselves on you. And like I said before, you, the best kind of mentors guide you and advise you. They don't try to mold you into their specific framework, right? Like you don't want to be a carbon copy of them. So you don't, you want to be really careful, particularly women. You don't want to find mentors that force their mentoring on you. Um, I've seen that happen quite a lot in cybersecurity. Uh, you see people on Twitter, on LinkedIn, it's like, I will mentor you. Go ahead and reach <laughs> out to me. Like that to me is just stay away from that toxicity. That is not what you want, especially ladies. Um, men should not be saying, you need me as a mentor. I will mentor you. Go ahead and reach out. Like that, stay away from that. That is bad. Same thing with men. Uh, if you if you see a woman or a male, it doesn't matter who it is. If they're forcing their mentorship on you, that is something you want to stay away from. So just be very careful, uh, but put yourself out there also. Good balance. And and I definitely want to get into some of the things we talked about, but we have quite a few questions coming in. Uh, Antonio said, that's a great story. I myself am in the process of changing career from operations manager to cybersecurity. So what, I guess, how do you even go about that? How would you start? And I think that might... You know, when we talk about mentoring, I've been in this industry for 20 plus years. I had a different company that I formed um, about 25 years ago, started FutureCon three and a half years ago. We definitely partner up with as many of those nonprofit organizations out there. We do it to just kind of bring the cyber community together. We share, you know, we want people to know about all the different type of organizations out there. So do you feel like in all these different organizations like ISACA, ISSA, um, we could go on and on. Do you feel like that is a good place to jump in or maybe not? You can find the resources everywhere. That's the good thing. As long as you keep putting yourself out there and looking, the information is out there. So uh, one website that I like to refer people to is the NIST NICE website. They've got a great framework. You just take the skills and the knowledge that you bring, you type it into the search, and it brings back a list of all the cybersecurity roles that you might be good for. So say that you're good at discovering malware or something or like reverse engineering. You type in that skill and it gives you all the different types of roles and the names of the roles, the job titles that you might want to apply for or just take a look at. And then what you do next is, since now that you know what kind of titles are out there for your specific skill set, you now go on the job boards and on 
on Indeed and you go on LinkedIn and the jobs and you, you take a look, you take, you search for the jobs with that job title, and then you see what kind of requirements are on average for those jobs. And so you see like, hey, this might require this certification or this might require work in this field or such and such, this kind of engineering and stuff like that. And you want to try and fill in each one of those gaps and take them on average. You don't want to do every single one of them. Uh, try to fi- find yourself and fit yourself into those fields as much as possible and uh, check them off one, one by one. It's like, hey, I got a degree in this and this, and or I got a background in this and this. That will help build your candidacy for those specific type of types of jobs. Now, if you're questioning right now, you're like, what would I actually be good at? I get this question all the time, Kim. I'm like, I want to break into cybersecurity, but I don't know what I want to be doing. I don't know what I'd be good at. Well, first of all, you got to like take a step back and say, okay, why do you want to get into cybersecurity in the first place? What is your reason? Now, if you're trying to get into cybersecurity for the job security and for the money and for the glamour, whatever it is, like that's great. A lot of people are in it for that, but there should be one, at least one other thing that's driving you. Is it the challenge of the the technology? Is it the mission where you are now fighting cybercrime? Is it being one of the good guys? If that is what you're really after, great. I want you to tap into that, that specific feeling. Use that to drive you into finding what you would want to do. So say that you want to fight cybercrime. Awesome. You want to be on a blue team, most likely, right? Because you want to fight against cybercrime. You want to defend organizations from cybersecurity crime and cybersecurity risk. So you want to be the blue team. You want to be on the defense If, for example, you want to be more on the challenge side, I want to find vulnerabilities. I want to do pen testing. I want to do hacking. You're going to be more on the red team side. You're going to be looking for roles that are more geared towards the offensive side, the red team. So depending on who you want to be in cybersecurity, that's going to help you figure out the kind of roles that you're going to start applying to. So really try to figure out why you want to be in cybersecurity. And it's not really just because of the money, which can be okay. And it's not just because of the job security, which also can be okay. There should be another driving force behind why you want to be in cybersecurity. Really figure out what you, who you are, why you want to get in and get a little bit of self-reflection because that will help you get your career path. And once you have that set, the the field is wide open for you. There's plenty of things out there. I think there's something like 32 subspecialties or something like in cybersecurity. And it's not just all technical. If you're sitting here thinking like, oh, I don't have an engineering background or I don't have a CS degree, like that's not going to stop you to break into cybersecurity. I trust, trust me, there's plenty of things in cybersecurity that are not technical. We need all the different types of people. There's policy writers, there's GRC. We need organizers. We need project managers. We need all types of people. We don't need just one type of engineer or one type of technical person. In fact, I believe, Kim, one of the main reasons why we're losing the war against cybercrime is because we don't have the diversity of thought that I think we would require to win against a very diverse set of uh, adversaries. And again, it's a very asymmetric war. One single person can actually influence and do very bad things across a litany of different industries and companies. It's very asymmetric. One person being a very bad actor against a lot of different things. So we need as many defenders as possible. The more defenders we have, the better chance we have against winning this fight. You know, and we're in a time right now where we have this new generation coming up. I happen to, you heard my success story of the college graduate, but I still have a 17-year at home with no idea what she wants to do, you know. So you've got a lot of these, you know, high school kids, and I love, you know, I love your your um, 
organization that you're involved with in Philadelphia. And I have just been kind of asked to be involved in an organization here, which I'm really anxious to do. I won't announce it until I officially do it. But again, it's helping some of these, especially these younger girls, you know, you know, they just steer away from cybersecurity. It's no, you know, we've talked about this. Everybody's talked about that. Um, There's great mentors. There's great mentor um, programs out there. But it's not that attractive to them, but they hear, oh, well, there's a lot of money in it, so maybe I should do it. So what what do you say to somebody that maybe hasn't been super, you know, hasn't been great in math and is not going to go into engineering? Where would you direct them? Maybe college is not the right road for them and they want something quicker. Where is a quick start if you want to try to break into the industry? Well, see, I would almost push back and say, like, if you don't have an interest in cybersecurity, why are you trying to break into cybersecurity? Like, don't do something you don't want to do just because there's good money or good job security. Mm-hmm. You still have to have a passion and interest for it. Uh, it's like me and, um, let's see, pen testing. It's actually one of the first jobs that I had in security. And most people love security for pen testing. They're like, I would love to do pen testing, right? But then I realized it's a lot of report writing. It's a lot of just picking out a thread and seeing where it goes. And I don't have the patience for that kind of work. And so I left application security penetration test. I, I didn't like it enough to stay in. and But I got exposed to that world. And I said, you know, that's not really for me. Even though a lot of people would kill for that kind of job, I actually left that job because I didn't think it was that interesting. I thought it was a little bit too like, uh, it's it, it's the persistence thing where I don't have that t- quite, quite level that most application uh, penetration testers have. They actually have this level of just like grittiness that I just don't have right now, right? So I uh, my impatience led me into other things. I did security engineering, security architecture, and now I do security leadership where I feel like I can make more progress in a shorter amount of time. I feel like those wins help me in, you know, improve my ability to not burn out right in cybersecurity. So um, I've moved on from penetration testing. But if you don't have an interest in security. Don't force yourself into security. So I say to the ladies out there who are growing up and they say, hey, you know, I just don't really like technology. That's fine. Not a lot of people do. Male, female, other. If you don't like technology, don't do it. There's plenty of other things out there. But we still need you to do basic security hygiene. So don't reuse your passwords on all the different websites. Use a password manager. Use a VPN when you're traveling and on public Wi-Fi. Like Those are the basics that we need everybody to do. But if you don't want to do technology full-time, don't do it. Trust me, you'll be better off. You don't want to do something you don't want to do. It's true for all the different careers. So let's go back to talking about some of these certifications and what that looks like for a new, when I was going to school, they didn't have a cybersecurity degree. Now they do. So what does that look like for someone breaking into the industry? Where do they start? There's so many different certifications. Can you kind of talk about this roadmap of what's important, what do you do first, what should you stay away from, what, you know, there's a lot being thrown at you. Yeah. Uh, well, everyone, if you are in cybersecurity, you've probably heard about who you should not say, uh, go to at least, but I won't talk about them right now. Let's just talk about your roadmap. So as you are going and you're looking at different certifications, the one big question I always get is what certifications should I get? What will make me the best candidate possible? And I don't want to like bust your bubble here, but a lot of people are asking the same question. If you get any certification, great. It's going to help you no matter what you get. If you get your security plus, if you get your A+, plus, your Network+, plus, those are the CompTIA certifications, go for it. Those are going to be great. There's never too many certifications 
although if you're getting way too many, it looks kind of weird, but you want to, <laughs> you want to at least get something. You don't want to have nothing because, because everybody's going to have the same thing. Everyone's going to have multiple certifications and you want to stand out. So what is your roadmap at this point? Now that you've gotten your certification, you've gotten your basic security plus or your basic GSEC, that's from the GIAC. That's another really good cert, although a little bit more expensive. The GSEC, um, it's called the Security Essential Certification. That's a good one too. Get your baseline security certification just to kind of broadly get, uh, just see what else is uh, out there. So you're kind of going what we call it like a mile wide, an inch deep. You're not learning everything there is to know. Maybe you're memorizing certain protocols or port numbers or different models and things like that. Great. But you want to start applying those things. And this is how you're going to stand out, especially on your resume. You need to have more in your experience section than your education or certification section, because in order to stand out, you're going to have things like volunteering, home labs. You're going to work on open source projects, you are going to contribute back to the community in any way possible. It doesn't have to be uh, a very technical thing. You can actually just be a writer for a readme on a uh, GitHub project. Like You can do that. You can contribute back to the community with whatever knowledge that you have currently. And the more you contribute back, the value you contribute back to the community, the more you're going to stand out on your resume. You're no longer just going to be consuming information. Now you're going to have your own thoughts. You're going to think about things that you've done. You're going to be writing a blog article about your experience taking the Security Plus and, and studying for it. And then you know, you're going to create a video blog about things that you've learned in the industry and your journey here. That's the kind of information that we will love to see, especially as hiring managers. We love to see that kind of passion and that proactiveness and that value being brought to the community because that will make you stand out. I will. I am telling you right now, it's not the certifications. It's what you do with that knowledge that makes you stand out. And it doesn't have to be a full-time paid job. It can be anything that you're doing on the side. Here's an example. You can go down to your local library. Wherever it is, you just say, hey, local library, I'd love to do a free seminar for elderly people for cybersecurity hygiene. I would love to teach them how to use a password manager. I would love to teach them how to download and install a VPN, et cetera. I would love to show them how to keep their security devices updated with security patches, whatever it is. So you do this. You go to your library, you set up some time, you make some flyers, you get the word out there, you do some Facebook ads, and you get a whole bunch of uh, senior elderly people to show up on a Thursday night at 8 p.m. and you're going to teach them how to use your cell phone securely, right? You're like, you just pick a topic and that's the kind of stuff you can put on your resume because you thought of that. You did that. You contributed value back to the community. That's what we love to see. Here's another idea. What you could do is you can teach kids, little kids. So you go to the schools now and you say, hey, I would love to start a club. You go to a high school. I would love to start a cybersecurity meetup group, whatever it is. You bring this kind of value back to the community and that's what you can put on your resume. It doesn't have to be full-time paid work. One more thing, Kim, I'm just going to keep talking here until you stop me. But the idea is you can do security in your current role. You don't actually have to have a full-time role specifically titled to be full-time security person. Whatever job you currently have, I guarantee you, you have security responsibilities, whether it is making sure you're not signing up for weird websites or reusing passwords or, or you know, 
doing things that are insecure for your company, I'm sure there are things within your job that will either help or hurt your security team, whether they appreciate it or not appreciate it, right? You want to be on the good side of the security team. So whatever your security team is doing, try to be like on top of that. Be like, hey, security team, what kind of things should I be doing in my role as an X, as a marketing person, as a salesperson, as a regular developer? Like, how can I help you, security person, make your job easier? And the more you talk to them, the more you realize what their goals are, and you bring them back to your team, you can start being a champion for security. We call it the Security Champions Program. There's plenty of companies that have the same thing. You are now an advocate for good security practice throughout your team. And the more security eyes and ears that people, uh, the security team members have, the better security is going to be within that company itself. We call it building security. Security culture. So you are part of the security champions team. You're acting in on the uh, behalf of the security team. You're acting as their eyes and ears. And that's what you want to do. Add more of those conversations. This is why everyone loves Naomi Buckwater. You know, you have a uh, lot, Walter, I'm sorry. You have a lot to say. And uh, I'll give you a breath for a minute so I can uh, say some of these shout outs of all these nice people. Love listening to these inspirational stories. And so great to have an opportunity to listen to Naomi live again. I'm so happy to have her here. And sorry, I just messed up your name because I obviously know it. But uh and ALW Minigan said, hey, Naomi, Matt Walker said, keep it going. Awesome ideas. Going back to Matt, he said, what experience outside of a job can you gain that can help you break into the industry? You just gave us a lot of them. I'm working on a certs, A+, Network+, plus, Sec+, plus, et cetera, and I'm working on THM, HGB challenges, but is there any other real world on the job type experience that you can share on a resume interview discussion? It sounds like you just gave us a lot of them, but I will let you keep going. Yeah, there's so many ideas out there. For sure, you want to volunteer. There's going to be a lot of nonprofits that will need security help. So really go to any uh, nonprofit that you're familiar with and just say, hey, I would love to be part of your organization. How can I help? And you and say, here are some things I would love to help you with. I noticed that you're in the cloud. Uh, do you have a cloud security person? Would you like help with an audit, right? So you bring in your kind of like where, where your skills are and you kind of intersect them with the mission for that nonprofit. I actually started a nonprofit. I would love your help. Right. Like just come, go ahead and, and bring yourself as you are and volunteer the skills that you have. I'm sure there's plenty of opportunities out there. You just have to look and be a little bit creative. Um, and, and that's the thing. A lot of people think that the journey to cybersecurity is just one way. There are so many ways to get in. That's the thing. You just you can create your own roadmap. Um, there is no one specific roadmap for everybody that's going to be successful. You're going to have your own. Other people are going to have their own. But one thing that I do notice, most people who break into cybersecurity are very successful at networking. So if you aren't great at networking and reaching out to people, at least reach out to me. I'm open on DMs on LinkedIn. Go ahead and reach out to me. I try to respond to all the uh, questions that I get there. I, I get hundreds of messages every week. It's, it's quite a lot, but I try to answer most of them. But go ahead and reach out and say, I have some questions do you have a few minutes? I'm like, sure. Happy to chat back and forth here, right? I'll do that. And that's what you do. You just reach out to somebody who, who is already out there uh, online and just say, I saw you on this webinar or this podcast or whatever. Do you have a few minutes? And I'd be like, okay, yeah. And do that to anybody. There's so many people willing to help. Um, and that's the beauty of this community. Everyone's willing to provide the value and share stories and help each other get in. Because again, we need more people. 
We need more people. We need you. So come in. And, and I don't care if you're an opera singer, like my intern. I don't care if you uh, just did so-and-so and you don't have this other degree or whatever it is. Like, we don't need that at this point. We need everybody who, no matter what you are, who you are, uh, what kind of like experiences you have, just come. We need you. Please, please, please. And we're we're getting very close to getting back out there live um, here at FutureCon. We're going to start going back on the road in uh, August. And one of the things that we do that is really great and always pass anyone off to us that you're mentoring, um, we love to have the students come and work and help us at registration. And then we just send them off. We let them go talk to vendors. We let them go sit in sessions because that is perfect for them. And we're all over the country. So we're super excited to get back out there so people can start talking to other people. We do bring really good attendees to our show. And this platform is not to talk about my show, but it is is just again about networking and networking on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is amazing. It, it's it's how I found you. So um, there's so many good groups in LinkedIn that you can go find resources on LinkedIn. But we had um, uh, a few other people are saying. Uh, let me see. We have Josh Mason, and he gave a. You may want to address that. That might be a bit over my head. Are you seeing his comment? I don't, but I know Josh. Uh, he's probably talking about. Oh, here we uh, go. Okay, um, that's weird. That's his picture, but not his name. Interesting. Oh no, he talks about someone else. Okay, uh, there it is. Uh, storage activity show. Oh, the home lab. Okay. Well, there was home something lab. up okay, at yeah, the top. It's probably yeah. a, it's probably an instructions on how to build a home lab and kind of the yeah, projects. That's what it is. Yeah, and so here's what I'm talking about. You want to be creative. So my home lab actually is in the cloud. So I set up a VM, right? I install a different operating system, whatever I feel like playing with that day, and then I integrate services, the things that are native to the cloud. So I'll, I'll put in a logging system. I'll you know put up a honeypot. Like there are all these things that you can play with. And then what you do is you analyze the different things that are happening within your environment, and that's where the magic happens. That when you, you can start talking about that all day, you can write a blog article about it. You can do a TikTok video, right? Like you can do all these kind of <laughs> yeah. things that show your enthusiasm and your passion for what you're learning. And that to me, for a hiring manager's perspective, is what I love to see in entry-level people. It's the fact that they have this drive that literally cannot be taught. They have this passion and this thirst for knowledge. And like, I want to get in no matter what it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's what I'm talking about. There's plenty of people out there who are dying to get in and they have that kind of passion as long as you're showing that somehow. And here's another trick, guys. If you have a resume that's only two dimensions, which means it's only just eight and a half by 11 and there's nothing to click on, you are hurting yourself. So go ahead and put links to your GitHub, links to your YouTube, links to your whatever in your in your resume because I because all resumes are now soft copies being emailed around. You're not printing them out anymore, right? Is that even a thing? I don't even own a printer. You're emailing out your resume. So what, what happens is the, uh, the hiring manager will take a look at your resume. They'll see a GitHub link. Hopefully they're not just clicking on it because, you know, phishing is a thing, but they will go in and they'll take a look at your GitHub. They'll go ahead and look at your LinkedIn, things like that. They're going to find you in a three-dimensional world, not just in the two-dimensional space that you live in a resume. You want to stand out. You want to be more than just that 2D resume. Um, I call it a 3D 
resume or 4D resume, depending. Well, John Mason said, um, he said, just put in the Lincoln search, uh, put home lab. And he said, I promise you'll find some good stuff. So many ideas. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. You write about what you did too. Other people are going to find you. Uh, Medium.com is a great place to put this information. It's a free blogging platform. This is where I found uh, a really good article about setting up a honeypot in AWS. And so I point this project out to a lot of my mentees. I say, follow this guide. Go ahead and create an AWS account which is free up to a certain point. Like you don't, don't spend too much there because you can. Um, but then you, you set up a VM, you set up a honeypot, and you analyze the traffic and see what kind of stuff is coming out from that. Um, and then you write about it. So, and then you take someone's blog article like they wrote on medium.com and you follow their instructions. And then what you do is you follow the instructions and you do it again and you do it again. And then by the time you can do it with your eyes closed, then you know it's kind of stuck in there in your head. Then you try to use your own creativity, see what kind of services that you can integrate with what kind of things you can write on top of that environment and what kind of things you can build on it. And then you write about that. You create your own medium.com blog article about how you've improved that other person's article. And you just say, here's what I added to it, to this honeypot. Here's the other kind of security controls that I put on top of that. And you can start talking about that. That's the kind of stuff that not a lot of people know to do. And um, yeah, there's some ideas. We have, um, I don't know if you know NATO as code. Not sure if you know him. If you don't, he was a guest on my show. Young guy in his 20s. He just started doing YouTube videos on how to get into cybersecurity. He's a DevOps guy and he has a great, he has hundreds of thousands of followers now just from him just being young and just talking about what he's doing, writing code. And he breaks it down to 101. And I definitely recommend following him out there if people want to learn more about how to get into cybersecurity because he just breaks it down in a fun way. I'm not Perfect. a technical person, but I really enjoyed watching his uh, awesome. videos. I love to see it. I love yeah. to see it. That's exactly. It. And what's stopping you from doing that? No, nothing. There's literally nothing. You have the time to scroll on your phone when you're sitting on the toilet. Like you have mm-hmm. the time to think about an article you want to write. So instead of going, using your phone on the toilet, why don't you like think, take get a paper and pen and start writing things. Like do, do something. You have the time. Trust me, be creative. Matt Walker says, Shameless plug, InfoSec Live is a great cybersecurity community of professionals and aspiring professionals that I've joined recently. And it's a great place for networking, finding like-minded people, um, looking to help each other. So I actually just looked at that. I I saw that on your comment. Um, it is a great place, but I think they have a few niches they need to work out because I was getting tons of emails. I think they're fixing that. So (laughs) I I don't know much about that, but I know I did join that last week. So any comments on that, that just needs to get fixed because my Um, inbox is pretty bogged down and it's hard to get all those emails on comments. But there's, he's growing a big community. There's tons of people joining that InfoSec Live. So yeah, that's not- the thing. Like anyone can start a community. That's the thing. Like nothing is stopping you except your own creativity. And you can and and take a look at what other people have done successfully. Like for my LinkedIn, I literally just wrote 
words. Like that's all I did. It's nothing special. Anyone can do this. I used LinkedIn as like my diary. My diary started writing back. I just started writing more and more and more. And and somehow the LinkedIn algorithm seems to like text more than anything else. So I just kept writing. And so now here I am. I get a lot more speaking opportunities. Thank you, Kim, for sharing the mic. And I, I get to speak at conferences. I get to speak at meetups. I talk to students. And this is exactly what I'm so grateful for is because all I did was start writing. I didn't think it through. I didn't think there was a plan behind this. I just wanted to write and share my thoughts. And it's a lot of people think the same way. They're just afraid of sharing their information out there or any kind of their thoughts. Do it anyway. Even though you're scared, do it anyway. There's, you're only going to just stop yourself from improving and growing. A little bit of growth, I think, is worth the pain that sometimes you go through. You're going to end up growing way more than the painful periods anyway. So go ahead and try. Definitely. And I can, um, just with Voice America, they had reached out to me last year and they wanted to do this pilot series. And I was thinking, I am not a radio show host. I just moderate conferences. I bring people together, but it's been such a great platform. It was a pilot series that turned into a live series. I'm definitely still have to work on, you know, my public speaking skills, but I get to bring great people that aren't sponsors that, come to the show and we just get to talk about InfoSec and all these great things, because this is definitely not like my other shows. There's nothing there. It's, you know, vendor neutral. So it's been, and I was, it was a step of something I didn't really want to do, but I had to push myself to do it because I knew even at my age, you still have to push yourself to do new things. Young forever. (laughs) I agree with you. But so let's go back to um, some of the other things that we were going to talk about, like your resume. Let's I know you talked about putting links on there, which which is really important. I think it's even important on your email signatures nowadays. If you did something pretty cool, you should probably add it to the bottom of your email signature because you never know who's going to link on it. And you definitely should put your LinkedIn, um, how to connect with me on LinkedIn on your email signature. So many people I get so many emails. So many people just have their name and no way to contact you. It's very important to put yourself out there. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, okay. So I have a lot of thoughts and ideas here. If you're kind of still struggling on like what to include and how to start a project to show off your work. All right. Think about when you were a student, right? You did a group project. Were you somebody who contributed to that group project or were you kind of somebody who just kind of like, you know, kind of like got on the end and got the grade, right? Kind of cruised along. But if you were the former group, if you were one of the leaders, if you were one of the people who like managed the project and you were kind of the brains behind the, you you know, the thing, that's what we want to see as proof. So what you do is you take any kind of work that you've done as a project and in, in your group settings or whatever you do, uh, you kind of um, anonymize it. So take away any names or any kind of locations that you worked in. If it was a school, take away the school name. You're going to take a kind of a copy of that. You're going to put it on your Google Drive, whatever. You're going to put it somewhere like a Dropbox or your GitHub. And then you're going to link to that on your resume. And then when you're the hiring manager looks at that, they're like, Oh, that's interesting. And you kind of give a little descriptor. You say, this is when I worked on this project, such and such, and here's my role. And here's what I did. And then they click on that and they see how well you were able to manage this group, how well the report came out, the level of detail that you added to it, the, the organization and the communication skills, your writing skills, that is a whole level deeper that you will never get in your resume. Your resume is just going to be one or two pages. It's a very light marketing document. If it has too many words in it, sometimes it hurts you. If it's too few words in it, it hurts you. So what you do is you create a whole nother level, a whole nother 
dimension 3d and you're going to click on it that person's going to click on it go to your google drive your github and they're going to see a whole nother side of you that you don't present on your resume or your cover letter and you're going to have your projects you're going to have the code that you wrote you're going to have scripts you're going to have tools that you've used you're going to have presentations that you've done maybe some links to videos of you talking you're going to be more human at this point because a lot of what we do as hiring managers we have to go through a lot of resumes i think the average on average we spend about 30 to 60 seconds per resume if that depending on the number of resumes that we get you get 60 seconds to make an impression. That's not a lot of time. So what you want to do is have those links and just be like, I'm going to socially engineer you, hiring manager, into clicking <laughs> into my resume. I'm going to make you click on this. And then when we do, we see a whole other side of you that makes you seem more human. And that's the thing. You want to seem like a really cool person to work with. You want to seem like somebody that I could like help mentor or, or train or I can learn from. Somebody that I, I really think would be an awesome a team member to have on this team. And you want to see more human than the uh, other 800 people that you're applying with. Because right now, in terms of your resume, you don't stand out. You are just a two-dimensional paper with a name and an address and a whatever and a set of experiences. You're not standing out. And think about all the times that you've applied and you've never heard back from a human. You only got like the automated rejection. That is because you are not seeming uh, as human as somebody who might have gone a little further in the process where somebody now sees a resume or a cover letter and they're like, I can see this person working on my team. Not only do they have the experience, they have the clarity in their communication. They have a link to their project work. I can see how much detail they put into their work, et cetera. You want to seem like a person that people can work with, that they can grow with and learn from. That's the kind of humanity that is missing a lot of times from the hiring process. I wish people, more people would see kind of like the problem here. Like we're not just machines. We are actually humans. Um, but the more you can show off your humanity, the more you're going to be hireable. That is awesome advice. Very, very awesome advice because I know when I have to hire someone, oh, it's grueling because who has time to go through 60 resumes and, and what sets them apart, you know, and it really has to take someone to, you know, keep on pushing at me to get their attention because it, it's impossible. We live in too fast paced of a world to be able to um, just be attention, you know, give attention to 60 resume. So that's excellent information. I hope there's some people out there that that helps with because there's so many things that you can do on LinkedIn to show who you are, you know, in a social engineering way. Um, Josh Mason said, do you have um, favorite podcasts that you like to listen to? Uh, yeah, I love podcasts. Um, I don't listen to as many anymore because uh, busy, but uh, you know, James Azar has awesome mm-hmm. ones. I, I listen love to his him. daily, yeah, his daily briefings uh, quite often, especially if there's like a big one happening, right? Like what's happening. Um, let's see, I, I'm on a podcast, I know Josh knows this, but every Thursday we have CISO Thursdays, CISO Talk Thursdays, um, Renee Small and Chris Foulon. They are the host for that one. They also have Breaking into Cybersecurity, which is a really good one for new people trying to break in. They're on YouTube and also LinkedIn Live and I think Apple Podcasts also. So uh, take a listen to those. Those two I recommend most often. I'm sure there are plenty more. I just can't think of them right now. This one uh, in particular, Voice America, uh, is a good one too. So, Well, Chris Milan is actually supposed to be, we're trying to schedule it, I think next week or the following week, he'll be my guest on the show. So um, these guys, Naomi, I mean, they're just like a good, like follow them. 
they are going to be the ones that you can find some of the leaders in the industry, because I feel like you guys just have such a great following of industry leaders. And there's so, and read the comments, take the time to click on people's replies and the conversations that they're having. When you post some great information, some of it may be controversial. And I know everyone watching already knows the big conversation that happened last week, but you know, there was a lot of insightful things that people had no idea about. So, um, I have Charwayne Jackson said, I love the idea of building your own showcase link. I've done a couple of applications that have required introduction videos. Most of my daughters, when she graduated from college, every one of them, she had to do an introduction video. So I have feelings about this. There's, uh, if it's done correctly, yes, it can help you. But in some ways, it can also like contribute to unconscious bias. So I would be careful there. Like, just like it's kind of new so go ahead and see if it would work for you but uh for sure it's been known but if you are a little bit more attractive or you're more well-spoken you know like you're going to just have a better chance of getting hired and unfortunately that's kind of the world we live in but um if there is any way for you to practice and and really get some good lighting get a good microphone that would always help you there's uh you don't have to be a gorgeous gorgeous person to get a job you know but get a good webcam the webcam definitely changes things. It does. So there's, it could help you, but it could also hurt you. So be very careful. Get a lot of second opinions. Uh, try to get a good production value on your cameras and your videos um, and, and do the best you can. But I, that is kind of a new thing. I haven't seen too many of those, especially in cybersecurity. I don't use video uh, introductions or video resumes, although in some ways it gets my attention, but sometimes I'm always like, oh, that's a little bit weird. But if, if you do have a video resume, at least at least use it as practice for like that very first question. A lot of people will be asked, you know, tell me about yourself or like, why do you want this job? Right. So practice that. If anything, practice that answer, watch yourself as you answer it, see what kind of eye contact you have. If you smile or you don't smile uh, and, or if you use a lot of ums and ahs, try to get rid of those use pauses when you speak. I know I'm kind of speaking fast, but if you speak slowly, notice my voice. I sound a lot more confident. So the way you speak is very important. So uh, go ahead and practice. Um, go on websites on on oration, public speaking, uh, do your Toastmasters, look and, and see how other people do and try to copy them. Um, when I started speaking publicly, I kind of just realized I love kind of speaking, but I did do a lot of research. I went on TED Talks and I, I saw how people did their speeches and how kind of their pacing and kind of the pauses, right? And I kind of try to to, to learn about it, right? It's a skill you have to practice. When I was doing some of these shows early on and even some pre-recorded virtual, the COVID's really forced us to have to public speak a lot more. I would just take on my iPad and just, or my Mac and just open photo booth and just record yourself, watch it. It's painful. It's horrible. I hate watching myself, but it definitely helped me with my speaking. We're almost out of time and we have a few more questions. Uh, Joshua said, what are your thoughts on the entry level positions that require multiple years of experience with high school certs? Oh, for high level certs. Okay. Oh, Sorry uh, about no, that. Okay. I'm I reading high school teeny, mm-hmm. I know I, that was. I was like, "There's high school certs now." Sorry, I'm reading the teeny tiny writing. So sorry, my eyes are pretty. No, good, it's so okay. Sorry. Can we bring that? Can we bring that question? Yeah, will you bring back? that I back up? I saw that for a little bit. Yeah. What are your thoughts on entry level positions <laughs> that require multiple? Years? Oh, I can get into this, Joshua. I know, and we're right at the end oh, of time. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. So, so here's the thing. 
you don't know this. A lot of hiring managers aren't great at writing job descriptions, right? What do we do? We go online, we Google job descriptions for security engineer, and we literally copy and paste the job descriptions that other people have written, right? And that's not great, but that makes sense because we don't really know what we're looking for. We don't really know what a good job description looks like. So you, uh, so on the side of the hiring manager, if you're writing job descriptions that are copies of other people's, like really consider what you're doing to our industry. You don't want five years of experience for all the roles. Like it doesn't make sense. There's, there's a lot of roles that don't require any experience. Think about it. Um, but if you're on the other side and you're trying to break in and you see a job description that says five years of experience or CISSP, you know, there's ways of showing that experience might not be a full-time role, but you can use your resume and say, Hey, I had this job, even though it wasn't a full-time role, it was security adjacent and enough that I can actually put within the bullet points or within the description underneath that role of all the security things that I did. So you don't have to be a full-time security person to be considered five years of experience. You can say, Hey, I was a security champion. I did a lot of, uh, you know, security QA testing or whatever it was like you didn't do the security, but you were security adjacent enough for you to show that you actually have experience doing security activities. And that's what you want to show on your resume. Even though you are not a full-time person, such and such, you are whatever doing security things. And that is always helpful. Uh, Devakar said, I'm an intermediate. Here, I'll read up here. It's so much easier. I'm an intermediate in this field and seeking to training for some of the advanced certifications. What certification would you suggest? And I have, you have about one minute to answer that question. This depends also what you want to do. If you want to be in security leadership, you're going to look at things like the CISSP, the CISM. Those are your more managerial certs. If you're trying to do more technical certs, any one of the SANS certs are going to be great. The GIAC certs are going to be great. They're, They're very advanced penetration testing, incident handling, like all the kind of things that you want to think about. There's different levels there. Um, I'm sure other companies have, but I can't think right now. I know I'm rushing on time, but for managers, definitely the CISSP, CISM, any of the ISACA certs are really good. Um, do privacy also. That's a kind of a huge thing now in security and privacy are kind of intersected now. For the technical side, take a look at SANS. You're going to have a lot of great opportunities. Very expensive, by the way, but you uh, hopefully your company can help like subsidize it a little bit. I think we're at a point where it's like seven grand. They've completely, wow. uh, you know, market themselves out of the, the private industry, but anyway. <laughs> right. So with what would your leaving thoughts be for those that are still trying to move? They may not be happy in the job that they're at and maybe that job's not right for them. What steps would you say, how, how do you get into a stuck situation you might feel like you're in? And so many people, finances come into that, and we're down to about two minutes. So. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening today. I do have some parting words. You might not be that happy of, from of me because what I'm going to say is going to make you really think about yourself. So I will just say I was fired once. Three years ago, in uh, September 12th, 2018, I can give you the exact time also, 2 p.m. Now, what happened afterwards is what really made me grow. So I failed, but I grew. 
I failed and I learned. I use that as an opportunity to learn. So if you are currently in a position where you are, feel like you're failing in getting a job in cybersecurity, take a step back, take a look at yourself and see why you are the problem. Not And don't blame other people. Don't say it is HR's fault or it's the security manager's fault for not hiring me or writing a bad job description. You are in control of yourself and your career. Take a look at how you are impacting your own decisions and be accountable for those decisions. Don't blame other people. You will always be stuck. If you start saying, what can I do to fix myself and be better? You will grow. You will get a job in cybersecurity. You just have to take a look at yourself and seeing how you might be stopping yourself from doing that. Naomi Buckwalter, thank you so much for being on the show. I'd love to have you back. The time flew. Thank you for taking this hour with us. Um, Thank you for everyone for joining in and listening to And Security for All. We're here every Friday. You can catch us on Voice America on the Business Network, and you can find us on your favorite podcast station. So everyone, have a very safe um, July 4th weekend, and we look forward to seeing you guys back here next week. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe and stay secure. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training, discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risks in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. 